Welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Mickey Badlamenti, discipleship pastor here at Rock Point Community Church. Our goal in the messages we share is to consistently present God's truth in ways that will challenge you, bring you new perspective, and ultimately lead you into closer relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you in your faith. We also welcome you to visit us anytime you're in the Detroit area. Our Sunday services are at 9 and 11 a.m. and include a full range of children's programs, as well as a ministry specifically for children with special needs. Find us on Facebook or visit our website at rockpoint.org for more information. My favorite New Year's Eve included a lot of family and a little bit of deception, all right? I was living in Pittsburgh, would come back to the Detroit metro area often to visit family. I often would come back around New Year's and stay with my sister. Um, And so this was about 10 years ago, decided, hey, I'm coming back. I'm on break. I'm from a big family. I'm the oldest of six. And many of us have kids. Among our kids, there are 21 kids. So my, my kids my kids and cousins, there's 21 of them. I thought, I will be a blessing to my siblings. They probably don't get a, a break. And so I offered to my siblings on New Year's Eve, why don't I watch the kids and you guys can go out on a date night. All right? And my wife was like, I am not helping watching those kids. And Julia said she would. And that's why we do youth ministry. All right, and so... Um, so we have all these kids, a couple of them were out because they were young with the, the parents, and we were cruising along, we're doing pretty well, gave them a bunch of food, they're running around. I mean, these are little kids, they're like, I think they're all, they're all like 12 and younger, right? And they're running around the house, I'm like, oh, this is going, I'm getting pretty tired, and I look at the clock, it's 8.15, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I am not going to last, is, is midnight still, like, yeah, it's a long way away, and so we're sitting here going, how are we going to entertain these kids, and they're melting down a little bit, and we had the bright idea, I was like, what if we set back all the clocks in the house, all right, none of them had phones then, and we're like, oh, we can do this, and so we go around my sister's house, and we find all the clocks, and we're like, we are moving this thing up to 10 o'clock, and like, that's the new year today, and so we move them all up to 10 o'clock, and then we realize, oh no, Troy had just gotten a brand new watch. Oh, and he's, you know, you got that new thing, you're looking at it all the time. And so just before, a little before, I was like, hey, Troy, let me see this watch. And I managed to have him give me this watch, and I reset the time, give it back. He is none the wiser. And then 15 minutes later, we tell the kids, oh, my gosh, it's about time for New Year's. And they all look at the clocks. They're like, where did the time go? Time flies. We're having fun, right? And they're like, let's turn on the TV and watch the ball drop. Let's not turn on the TV. Why are we going to do that? Oh, they're probably partying. We'll just do it on this computer. And so we watched the, the ball drop on the computer, sent them all to bed at 10, and we went to bed early that night. And so that was one of my favorite memories, even though it meant I lied to my kids and all my nieces and nephews and wasn't a great beginning to youth ministry. But anyway... New, New Year's Eve, it, it, this time, is, it's, an, it's, it's interesting, right? Because tonight marks a distinct change. And if you think about it, in like one second, this whole year with all that's happened is done. Like one second changes a lot. Maybe there's a lot of changes for you in 23, but one day changes a lot. And there are 24 hours in a day. Every second is but a moment. But you ever wondered and realized that some just seem to have a higher impact. 
there are some moments that have a bigger change in our lives. And we all have those. We have moments like that that change us individually. It might be a wedding or your graduation or the day you make a big move, right? Or the birth of a new baby. And there are certain times, certain days that pivot our whole life. And New Year's itself is famous for us having that mentality, wanting to have change. We want to intentionally look at our lives, and we want to make a change, a change for our better. It reminds me of a famous prophetic, poetic voice from my youth who said, I'm going to make a change for once in my life. It's going to feel real good. It's going to make a difference. It's going to make it right. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. No truth could be any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and make that change. Right? Thank you. Thank you much. That's Michael Jackson right there for you guys, if you don't know. The artists are our prophetic voices of today, right? But seriously, the change that people want to make in, the, in their lives often start like that. They look at themselves. They look at their lives. They take inventory. We're all doing this now. going to make resolutions that you'll make in one day, and who knows how many days you'll keep them, right? But the problem is that this is the world's mentality, is that we look at ourselves, and we think, how am I going to change myself? And what God says is that's hopeless, You see, because the way we are is we're selfish. We are selfish. We have brokenness inside us. And God's mentality, and a lot of the change we want to change is the wrongs that we do, the parts that are broken. And as we look at ourselves and we want to make a change, we end up just sinning more. And as we see our lives, often what you see isn't the goodness. You see sin and brokenness and weakness. And it's going to be a futile endeavor for you to make real change. But you want to know the single biggest change that's ever happened? The single biggest change that's ever happened we actually just celebrated. And that was in Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. That Jesus came and was born God in the flesh, righteous, holy. He came down here to dwell among us. And he lived his whole life righteous and holy. He never had sin. He didn't have weakness. He didn't have brokenness. He was tempted in every way, but he didn't fall. And then, he was put to death on a cross. What was his crime? He claimed to be God, but he was. And in that death, we have the good news. And today, we're going to look at a section that has encouraged me time and time again. 2 Corinthians 5 and 6. And uh, we're going to start in the middle of five and go to six. But I wanted to show you the one verse that as you study that passage, the whole passage pivots on. And that's in verse 21. 521, if there's one verse you want to know and memorize for sharing the gospel, it is this one. In, in, In 521, it says this. It says, he made the one who did not know sin 
to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And this is the good news. That Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, and he took our sin so that we could have that penalty for our sin that separates from God paid for, and we can make a way that we can have a relationship with God. And the good news is this. is that he who had no sin, God said he made a way that he could be sin. And he takes our sin from us, and it's hung on the cross. That one moment, that weekend, changes all of history. All of, everything we know hinges right here on the cross for every person. Because it's a way that we can have forgiveness. And often, when we talk about the good news, that's what we focus on, that we need this forgiveness. We need to be able to give our lives to Christ. All you have to do is tell Jesus, I believe in you. I want that. And in one moment, all your sin, past, now, future, can, is all put on the cross because it was 2,000 years ago, right? Today, you can put your sin all on the cross. And that's, that's the glorious invitation that we all come to. The biggest single moment and change in your life will be had you make that change. Have you given your life to Jesus? But the good news doesn't stop there. Although a lot of times in Christianity, we stop it there. He made him who had no sin to become a sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. You see, he had righteousness, and when he took our sin, he also gives us righteousness. So that now, when we look at ourselves, that is what you are to see, the righteousness of God. It's the greatest exchange that's ever made. And so let's look back and start here at the beginning of our passage Chapter 5, verse 15 is where we start. It says, And he died for all, so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. You see, Jesus not only died a death on the cross, but he rose again to prove that he was God, that he could conquer death and conquer sin. He freely was born. He left, us, left and was died. He came back again, was raised, and he ascended into heaven. He can cross death. He's the master of life. He's taken all that. He was raised again. And so it says that Christ died for all so that all, that those should no longer live for themselves. You see, it's not only about he wanted to change your eternity, but he died to change your life here. That's why we can become righteousness. It said you used to live about just you. You would look at yourself and it was all about you. But once you make this exchange and he is your Lord and Savior, you are now called to live for him. Carries, continues on in verse 16. It says, everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us this ministry of reconciliation. Everything is from God. Oh, 16. From now on, then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet now we no longer know him in this way. At one point, we probably saw Jesus as just a historical figure, a religious figure. But when he becomes your, your savior and your Lord, you don't see him the same way. And just like he changes how you see him, he wants to change everything about how you see everyone. We don't see anyone else from a worldly perspective, but we see it from God's perspective. All right? 
And that's what we are. So it says in verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. If anyone, this is offered to anyone. You don't have to clean up. Anyone can come and become and found in Christ. And then when you do that, the old is gone. The new has come. You are a new creation. What does that mean? That means everything about how you see, you used to see life, your whole perspective, your whole worldview is different. That's gone. The old is no more. The new of all things has come. Your old ways in particular are gone. And so I have a few points to encourage us today. As we do look at the changes that you may want to make, what are some of the ones that God may want you to make? And the first is this, to know more about you in Christ. To know more about you in Christ and who you are. This verse says, you are a new creation. That's the truth from God. Here's the problem. It's difficult to change the way we see ourselves. It always has been since we were little. Talking about little kids, right? You have little kids, and they start getting older, and they start, you want to start giving them responsibility, and they bucket. They don't see it. They want to just play and horse around, right? Little kids can struggle becoming teenagers. And then teenagers, as they want to start having more responsibility and not having everything told about them, their mentality still is they need to be told and instructed. But we, have, we struggle to have that responsibility and move from teenagers into adults. I also get to work with young adults, and... Adulting, hashtag adulting, that's a real thing, right? It's like, oh, my gosh, I have to pay a bill. Adulting. You know, it's really hard, right? And it's tough for us to move into taking our own responsibility. And then adults, we're not off the hook. Because as we grow as adults, we can struggle. I mean, I'll be in a store, and I'll be looking at something. I shouldn't buy that. I don't know. I'm like, wait, I'm an adult. I have money. I have a job. I should buy that. And I buy it. But I struggle to do this because I'm stuck in being a kid, right? Adult, you don't believe me that we struggle on that? Here's, here, I'll prove my point. Take 10 middle-aged men, put them on a basketball court, and tell them to play a game of basketball. They're going to struggle because <laughs> they think they're young, <laughs> right? They think they're young. In our minds, we think our old ways. It takes a while for the rewrite ourselves. Like, my body doesn't do that. There goes my knee. I can't run that fast. Why am I breathing so heavily? It's change, and that's also our spiritual problem. We do not live in the identity that we've been told that we've had. If you've given your life to, to Jesus, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. But we struggle with that. We may know that, but when we see ourselves, do we see a new creation? Or do we see ourselves like we always had? And that's why we need to know more. Know more about who you are in Jesus because he defines you. You have your new identity. Identity. You don't believe me that it also happens in a spiritual thing? All right, here's this. Who are you? Are you a sinner or are you a saint? Saint. But it's so easy to see ourselves as a sinner. Saint, that must be for some elite. No, in the Bible, it says to the saints in Corinth, to the saints in Ephesus, the saints was every person who was a follower of Jesus. You are a saint. But we don't see that way. And here's the secret. The secret is that we have to know about more of who you are in Christ. Jesus is the mirror. 
We look at him and who he is because he's the one that defines us. If you look to yourself, you're going to see sin and weakness and trauma in your past, and it's going to haunt you. You're going to see the hopelessness that all people have apart from him, right? But Jesus defines us. So if you look to him, you're going to see he calls you daughter. He calls you son. He calls you royal. He calls you beloved. He calls you holy. He calls you blameless. He calls you a child of God. You are becoming the righteousness of God. He made you right now already a saint. Let that sink in. And not only does it define who you are, but he defines how we are to live. No longer for ourselves, but for others. Verse 18. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. He has reconciled you to him, made that different reconciliation, wiped away your debt, reconciled. That's coming in him. And then he's given you a ministry, a service, a mission that you are to perform. And it's the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what is that? Well, fortunately, Paul explains it even further. He says, that is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. And see, what the ministry of reconciliation is, is that every Christian, every one of us, has a mission. Everyone. And it's this, the second point. Let people know about Jesus. That's your mission. That's the message. That's the good news. And you are part of it. Too many times, many followers of Jesus, they, they hear that and they instantly seem afraid and they seem insecure. Like it's not their mission. It is your mission. Right? But often it's because the reason we're insecure of our mission is we're insecure of who we are. We don't remember who we are in him. We're insecure that we can't walk in that righteousness. We don't realize who we are in Jesus. But not only does God say that you are a new creation because you're an ambassador, he gives us another title here in this passage. He says this. As he continues on, he says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Not only are you a new creation, you are an ambassador. And through you, he is making the appeal. Right? Did you see God at work before you gave your life to him? Yes. We can look back and we see he's always been at work in your life. His fingerprints are all over your life. He's also at work in everyone around you. He is, he is the one who's redeeming. He is the one reconciling, but he makes his plea through us. It's through us that he does this. And he just asks us, let people know about Jesus. And so he calls you this. Not only are you a new creation, a son, a daughter, you are an ambassador. To understand what he's called you to do and how to live, you've got to understand what is an ambassador. Let's use an example of an ambassador who's in a foreign embassy. They go, he or she moves in, they stay, but if they were only to talk to people back home, 
right? They just call their family. They have their food sent from back home to live there. They never leave this embassy. They don't go out and meet anyone in their new place. That is not an ambassador. They're not acting like an ambassador. That's a visitor. They're secluded from the people around them. And even if they ventured out and they ate the food and they saw the sights and they engaged and participated in the culture of themselves, if they do not remember what is the mission of an ambassador, they're just a tourist. They're just there consuming. Because an ambassador is not about the location. An ambassador is about the people. You are an ambassador to the people. You go to the people there and you represent home, where you are from. And that is what an ambassador does. An ambassador interacts with those around them, gets to know the people around them, right, and lets them know who is the one that sent them. So you want to know how you can let more people know about Jesus? Here's how. Know more about more people. Be an ambassador. Step outside of your embassy. Get to know people. The Bible says you are an ambassador. It's about people. That's our mission is to go outside our walls. Even Jesus, when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love thy neighbor, right? What if he meant love your actual neighbor? You have people that live like near you. Do you know them? Get to know your neighbors. You have coworkers and people in your classes. Get to know them. Letting people know about Jesus starts, this is the simplest way, just know more about people. That's our mission. And this is how Paul did it. He shows how he did ministry. This is how he did ministry in this. He says this in chapter 6, Working together with God, we also appeal to you, don't receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time, I listened to you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. And he says that he was working together with God, and he came and he made his appeal. But then he quotes Isaiah. And just like God has always done this, what Isaiah says is that acceptable time, I listened to you. In the day of salvation, I helped you. And in here, there's an urgency for sure. Like people need to know this message. Their eternity is on the line. And there are people that you could know that you are to be the light. And maybe today... Now is the day of salvation for people here, hearing this message. And what you need to do is enter into this. But how did Jesus do ministry? How did Paul do ministry? Well, we see what God did. And we see it right here. At the acceptable time, I listen to you. You want to know how to know more about people? It's simple. Just listen. Listen. Don't be about talking about you. Just listen. Show genuine interest. Here's a secret I learned speaking of kids. I've learned this with kids years ago, and I love doing it. I see Jeff Brown doing this all the time. And kids, they might come, and you might see them as a nuisance. Maybe people are a nuisance to you. <laughs> and you're like, I'm not going to know people. But kids come up, and they want to show you something. Here's what you do. A kid comes up. You want to show genuine interest? Listen. Enter their world. Just be with them and engage. And you all have people around you that want your engagement, that God has placed in your life for you to engage. 
And the second thing, not only listen, ask questions. Oh, what is this thing you made? What is this a picture of? Because I can't tell. <laughs> right? But people are sharing things about their lives, and they're giving you little snippets. Ask a question. You will be amazingly surprised by just asking simple questions that show interest in others versus showing about yourself and how much people will start sharing. And you will get to know your neighbor and your coworker and somebody else that, that's in your family, along a, a friend. This is how Paul did ministry. It's how Jesus did ministry. And like one more thing. Let's look at how, the last example of how Paul does this. Right? He often will go through in, the, in his letters and he talks about going on his, on his journeys and all the trials Right? And the great things he accomplished. And you can only think, oh, this is Paul. He's the great, he's the great missionary. It's not, I can't model after him. But you can. Yes, he had great success. But what Paul does, he shares over and over again, not only the success and the ways he saw God at work, but he also shares the, his difficulties. He shares his weakness. He lives out his life with those he's around and those he's, he's actually ministering to. And so if you look here in 6, in verse 11, he says, to the Corinthians, we have spoken openly to you, Corinthians. Our heart has been open wide. He models being open with his heart, his deep things. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. And though he was trying to know people and he, share, he shared himself, he has a reproof for the Corinthians, the saints in Corinth. He says, I, we've modeled ministry about being open with our hearts, but you're withholding yours from us. And we can see that he has one last thing. He says, I speak to you as my children as a proper response. Open your hearts to us. Open your hearts to us. And here's our last point. Let more people know more about you. Not only do you get to know more about more people, can you let more people know more about you? In ministry, serving we are open hearts, not closed. That's why I love Rock Point on the way we do ministry. We value being real. And as you look to Jesus, he will change everything about how you see your heart. He will change how you see your affection, that it's okay to show some vulnerability, to tell someone you care. He'll change how you see your strengths. It's not about boasting. It's about serving. He will change how you see your weakness and your brokenness because people deserve to see all of those. People are difficult to trust. I know. You're going to get hurt. I know. But can you trust God more than them? Jesus is still your mirror. Remember, that's the secret. Jesus is the mirror as you show others more of you. Who are you? You're a new creation. That's who you are. People want to know royalty, and that's who you are. You ever see a celebrity? And you, what do you want to do? You want to see them. I remember walking through this crowded outdoor mall years ago down in Myrtle Beach, and I spotted Chris Rock. There he was. He was not that far from me. I'm like, I am going to go see Chris Rock. And I start walking straight to Chris Rock, and then I was intercepted by four giant behemoths of men. And they were like, you are not seeing Chris Rock. But I wanted to see Chris Rock. Right? 
I wanted to. You are royalty. You are a new creation. You are becoming the righteousness of God. And people in your life want to know more of you. Because as you know who you are in Jesus, you're reflecting that to people. And people are drawn to that. They're drawn to that. But we have to open our hearts to others. And it's going to take some vulnerability. But it doesn't have to be complicated. I tell students and young adults this all the time. Just when you're with your friends or you're talking about who you are, mention church or mention Jesus. Mention a verse you, you read. Hey, what you do this weekend? Oh, I went to church. And it may open up more conversation. Because openness, it creates more openness. As you are open to others, they will open to you. Let me paint you a final picture and how it sadly plays out far too often. This is a story just about a woman who was, becomes a believer and she catches this, that she is to be an ambassador. She is a light, that there are people in her life that need Jesus and she is very gripped by a coworker, that she wants to, to know Jesus. And she can see the way that this, this coworker is, is living her life and it's just broken and despair and she's like, oh, she just feels like she's trapped. And so in all her efforts, she's like, all right, I am going to be an, a, a, an example. And so at work, she's there early, she works hard, she looks at her, controls her speech and how she is. She's serving. She just, she's always the first to volunteer. And she tries to just be this great example. And then she faithfully is praying, praying, praying for this coworker. And time goes on and on and on. And she doesn't seem to see much change in this coworker's life. And she's getting a little discouraged until one day she walks by her little cubicle, the coworker that she's been praying for. And she notices now what has come up onto her cubicle wall are a couple Bible verses. She's like, oh my, this might be the opportunity I've been praying for. Like, I'm going to talk to her. And so I just say, I notice that I see you have some Bible verses there. And this coworker is like, yes, yes. Um, I just recently became a Christian. She's like, what? She's like, yeah, I just became a Christian. Can I tell you about Jesus? She's like, I'm a Christian. <laughs> I'm a Christian. I've been praying for you. Oh, this is so exciting. How'd this happen? She's like, well, let me tell you. It's like, I... I was living my life and what the world held me to do, and I, it was just empty and broken. And yet I looked across here at the workplace, and you were actually an inspiration to me. I saw you with your life all kept and put together, and you could do it. And it seemed like life was good for you. So I just tried harder and harder and harder to be able to be a better person. But then I realized I couldn't, and I was at my wit's end until a neighbor mentioned that they went to church. And I got into a conversation out in the backyard, and I visited this church, and I heard this message that changed my whole life. And I'm a new person. And that's who Jesus is. And this woman, this Christian, was like, yes, that is. But she was also discouraged because she had forgotten. Yes, we are to let more people know about Jesus. Easy ways to do that is to know more about them and let people know more about you. But she had forgotten. She had forgotten that she needs to tell them it's Jesus that changes who we are. That as we look to our mirror, we need to know more about who we are in him. When you look to Jesus and you point to Jesus, you reflect Jesus to a world. He defines you as a new creation, as a saint, as an ambassador. You diminish and he 
is made your whole life. Because 1 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Let us not forget who we are and who makes us who we are. Will you pray with me? Lord, as we come before you and 2023 fades, Lord, we do not want to be a people that fall into the old ways where we just look to ourselves. And if someone here does not know you, Lord, I pray that now will be the day of salvation. They will let go of living for themselves, through themselves, but trust you. And Lord, we come before you as sons and daughters, those who have trusted you. Lord, would you help us to let you be the mirror? Will you help us to look as we come into this new year and we want to see change? We don't want to be the one that fabricates change. We want to ask you, change us. But you already have. Help us to see ourselves as you see us, as righteous, as your child, as a new creation. Would you please be in the mirror, we pray in Jesus' name. We are the bride And you are the groom Help us to see ourselves More like you do Erase all the thoughts That aren't of you Replace them with your words of beautiful truth. Oh, Jesus, bring us clarity. Oh, let Jesus be the mirror that we gaze in. Let Jesus be the mirror that we gaze in. Sing it out. Help us reflect. Help us reflect as we run the race until at last we see you, God, all face to face.
closing that's a prayer holy oh, jesus be the mirror that we gaze only you only you changes to a new year. Maybe at some point today, with that chorus ringing in your head, you should go spend a little time looking into Jesus as your mirror. See what resolution He really wants to do in you and through you. Amen? Happy New Year! Go in peace, Rock Point.